Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. I wrote a song about it. It's not ready yet. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. I married somebody I didn't love. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Fun Mom has been away from her home planet of power. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas. So you don't have to. Bet you can't eat just one Lay's and not want more and more. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking about how we're not ready. We are (laughs) not, indeed. We thought we were ready. We were, in fact, quite excited for this all to be over. Right. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about like how we're going to know when it's okay to, to run out screaming and hug everybody. And now it seems that we are free to move about the cabin and... We don't want to. Yeah. So, Amy, is this an example of Stockholm Syndrome? You know how like (laughs) when you're taken captive and then you come to sympathize with your captors and then by the time the rescue comes, you're like, I'm good, thanks. I'm going to hang here with the captors. That's kind of how I feel. I don't feel sorry for COVID and I don't identify with it, but I see what you're saying. But I feel like there is a certain acceptance. One of my favorite books ever, which you should all read, is called Bell Canto. It's by Ann Patchett. Oh, yeah. I have this on our bookshop, Books Margaret Loves list, because you do bring it up often. And I, and I still haven't read it. I love it. It's like it's a formative book for me. But yeah, let's all read it. It's about somewhat about, I believe Stockholm Syndrome is one of those like disproven things that turns out to be like much more complicated. And it's one of those things that people use the term and they don't know what it means. So I'm reluctant to do that. But I do think that like you get used to the water. The water's fine. After a certain point, you're like, I don't want to get out. I'm good. Yeah. And that's where we're at some of us. And I think it's okay, but I wanted to unpack why we feel that way. And what are the particular things that are making us feel not ready? Because some of those things we might not have to go back to. You've been saying, don't let the lessons of this pandemic pass you by, to quote you. Don't let them pass you by. I wrote a song about it, Amy. It's not ready yet. You don't have to sing it. You don't have to. It's not ready yet, but it's in the works. You're going to love it. When it's orchestrated, it's going to be amazing. So I also want to talk about that because I think it's like, oh, but I'm not ready to go back to travel sports. So don't go back to travel sports. I think that there's like, that's the lesson. Can I start with a little psychiatry for you? You may. Okay. This is, I'm quoting Dr. Richard Friedman. He's a psychiatrist. He says that there's something called social affiliativeness in humans. 
Okay. And there's a wide range. I believe that. I think you are extremely socially affiliative, if I may speak for you. Not as much as I thought I was, as it turns (laughs) out, but keep going. Right. Okay. So there's a range, right. In the before times, you were extremely socially affiliative. Right. And just so that people are clear, meaning like a strong like need for social connection with other people. Mm -hmm. My daughter famously had a tantrum where she was really like screaming and crying and saying, I'm not a person who's meant to stay six feet away from other people. Yeah. And I was like, girl, same. Like I did find in the beginning, the lack of Social contact, extraordinarily difficult. Yeah. And I'm more introverted. I'm like, I'm both. I've never been able to decide like just what like I-N-T-F-E-N-T-J, all that stuff that I am. I can't decide if I'm introverted and extroverted. I think they're starting to prove that those things aren't real. So I think you're fine. This is my observation. You may choose to agree or disagree. I think I am more like must be around people, must be socializing and talking to strangers and friends alike. And you are more like must be busy. And so both of us have had a problem. Like you like that feeling of like, I'm getting it done. I'm getting it done. You know, I do feel seen. Yeah. But I mean, I think that for both of us, there was like a big door slam that you weren't a person who was like, you know what I love to do? Sit around on my couch and like eat bonbons and not see humans. Right. You were like a doer and that your doing stopped and my affiliating stopped. And that's was hard for both of us. Yeah. But for people who aren't socially affiliative, yes, Dr. Friedman would say, the lockdown afforded those who are comfortable with less interaction a baseline to indulge in what they've always preferred, like less people. Yes. You've seen a lot of memes of this on like TikTok and Twitter and stuff that are like, <laughs> my dream finally came true. Like I don't, I'm not expected to talk to humans or go anywhere and it's my best day ever. I have a roommate from college and we were talking, I believe in college. I mean, before either one of us was married and she was, we were talking about weddings and she said, I definitely want to be married someday, but I cannot imagine going through the thing where like I put on a giant dress and everyone stares at me for five hours. That's my worst day ever. And I was like, that's my best day ever. I wish that day was every day. I married somebody I didn't love because I had a wedding for 700 people. <laughs> oh, I don't care. I just want to be the center of attention in the big dress all the time. Like, that's why I wanted to be Madonna when I grew up. Like, that's my idea of a good time. I mean, me too. That's why I'm not sure where I fall on the spectrum because yes, I also was very happy to wear the pretty dress and be the center of attention. That's different. That's like attention seeking versus it's not the same. Like uh, there's the famous, I believe, apocryphal story that like the guy goes to the doctor and he's like, I'm so depressed. And he's like, you must go see Pagliacci or the hilarious clown who's in town. Every He's cheering everyone up. And he's like, Dr. I am Pagliacci. That's the <laughs> denouement of the story. And uh, I'm really throwing out my five cent SAT words today, people. Apocryphal denouement. Mm-hmm. But um, social affiliativeness. Yeah. So anyway, wanting to be the center of attention doesn't necessarily mean that like you want to be at a party with people. So Dr. Friedman says if you are not socially affiliative, when the jail door opens... People don't go rushing out because it wasn't jail to some people, but this has been kind of fine. And I have seen among people I know a surprising range of responses, Hmm. right? Just sort of like we have friends, Margaret and I have friends that were talking about an event coming up this fall and you and I were very much on the same page, like can't wait to see people do stuff. And then some of our friends were like, I don't know. 
I don't think I can do it. I don't feel ready. And we're like, for, you don't feel ready for September? Like by September, I think we'll be in a more of a place. It was really an eye-opening to me that people are still in very different places about their excitement to return to life at all. And two things going on. Questions about like, we still are really not 100% clear on like what's what, right? Yes. Like what's safe and wait a minute, if we're going to a place where like there's huge vaccine refusal, is that safe? And does that affect me? Even if I've had the vaccine, what about my kids? I was going to bring them. They're not able to give it. So there's that whole arm of it, which I think we're leaving. We're talking a little bit more today about like, just don't feel ready on a psychological level. Right. If Fauci could show up at your house and say, this seems fine to me, you could, de yeah, I, I feel good about this for you. That's right. Even if the fairy godmother in Fauci form were to show up. Fauci godmother. <laughs> the Fauci godmother were to wave the wand and say like, it's Ollie Ollie Umphrey, you're good to go. Would we still have this feeling? Yes, we would. Yes. That's what I'm interested in exploring because I think many of us to some degree or other kind of have that. And that was the last thing we expected right? That we would be free to go and not want to leave. I was listening to an interview the other day with a woman who had grown up in, in very trying circumstances and was talking about having then joined the military. And she's like, the thing about the military is I only had to make one decision every day, like sleeves rolled up or rolled down. That was the only decision I made. And after a chaotic youth, that was very comforting to her. But then it, it didn't really actually fulfill all the buttons. And I was like, that reminds me of the pandemic a little bit. Like the decisions are very kind of simpler and clearer, like what's for dinner. And that boredom is annoying and the repetitiveness and then not being able to do what you want to do. But there's a comfort in it as well. My days are slowly getting busier again, right? Like my calendar which had wide open spaces, which had nothing. I mean, I was available for every Zoom yoga class that came my way because what the heck else was I doing, right? I mean, I was making lunch. Right. We would make jokes about that. We're like, any chance you're free to Zoom? And it's like, yeah, my calendar <laughs> right. seems to be open every day this week. Yeah. All the time. I just was on a Zoom before this with three people. It's like, okay, let's figure out the next time we're going to do this. And it was like a hassle. Like people had to go get their date books. Like, wait, when did this happen? And my day yesterday was like the busiest day in terms of places I had to be and things I had to get done in order in a long time. And I was sort of like, I'm not quite ready. And I'm not ready to get this busy again. And in a very good way, I have a son who's graduating from high school and like they're managing to figure it out for this class of 2021. And I really, first of all, want to lead with like extreme appreciation for teachers and administrators who are figuring out how to make I don't know, like the senior prom kind of happened outside in two parts. You know what I'm saying? Like any attempt at any of this stuff is wonderful. Right. But all of a sudden, my to-do list of like measure for the tuxedo, do this, do this, get the foreman, do this. Like I didn't have any of that stuff to do. Permission slips that are two days overdue. And now it feels like now I have a few and I'm immediately overwhelmed by them. Like I was operating at a much higher level and then we locked it down and I'm like, permission slip. I can't keep track of that. Well, yeah, there's a lot you don't want to go back to. One thing I will say, which I think is really true, is that the thought of something is always much more intimidating than the thing of the thing. Mm. You know, like the thought of starting to go back is very scary. Someone said it when we were talking about, like, is it time to start saying yes? One of our Facebook people, and I wish I could remember their name because it was genius, was saying, you know, the feeling I get when I see the light at the end of the tunnel is fear, not excitement. And I think that that's a lot of it. And that I keep saying to myself and to my husband, like, 
my baseline is like anxiety as if I'm being chased by a bear. Like I'm extremely anxious right now. And I feel I have scary dreams. I wake up with like a sense of real nervousness and dread. And then I have to try to break it down from my own mind. Like, what is this? And I think it is this feeling of like, it's like standing on a beach and watching the wave form, you know, and like the water is sucking past my feet as the wave gets bigger and bigger. And like, that's the feeling I have all day, every day is like watching this huge wave form and thinking, how am I going to get through that without it crushing me? And how is that different from the anxiety you were feeling a year ago when it was like, how long is this thing going to last? And every day was hard in a new way. It was also extremely anxiety producing. And there were certainly a few weeks in the beginning where we kind of felt like, oh, is this going to be like zombie apocalypse level doom? But I think the feeling of like we're huddling together in the house was more comforting than the feeling of like watching the waveform. Maybe I'm just misremembering it. I definitely was extremely anxious, but I feel like there was a sense of control around that anxiety that maybe I'm missing right now. The sense of control of like we can lock the doors and stay inside and only Zoom with people and get groceries delivered and be okay more than like, what is this thing, this building? It was very scary when it was new and then we got used to it. Yeah. And now the world is new and we're not used to it. That maybe it's as simple as that, right? We, we kind of, we've grown accustomed to our Zooms. <laughs> yeah, we've grown accustomed <laughs> to our captors, which is ourselves, you know, like, and it is incredible. I mean, this is so much what this book, Bel Canto, is all about. But like when it began, I mean, everybody had those. I said to my sister, I was like, I realize I'm doing this conversation too much. I've become the Chris Farley member, member person. But like my sister and I had a conversation where we said, our school shut for two weeks. She's in New York City. The school shut for five weeks. And where I kept saying like, do you really think it's going to be five weeks? You know? And I just... I'm constantly touching that button. I'm like, remember when I said, do you, do you think it might even be five weeks? But now it's been 14 months and yeah, I've grown accustomed to my lifestyle. <laughs> There's one thing that's really hard about getting back to life. I want to talk about it right after this. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used hero bread. It 
adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Okay, so there's one completely shallow thing that I think is factoring into us reentering life and being a little bit not ready about it, and it is perceiving how we look after the pandemic. There was a study at Chapman University that asked people to describe how the pandemic had influenced their body image. 43% of women and 26% of men said COVID had negatively affected how attractive they felt. <laughs> I mean, same. Yes. And I think it's because I mean, you know, like we all just, I mean, I had COVID, like I was sick. I like, you know, and then I wore the sweatpants and then it's like, why wear makeup? Why blow dry my hair? Why would I ever do that again when the world might end? Right. And then somewhere kind of you see yourself on Zoom and it's not really not working. Listen, Amy and I know our angles. There's a reason why you never put the camera underneath your chin, which is every Zoom. Which is every Zoom. Right. Exactly. And it's sort of like, oh, what am I going to do about this now? I just do the hide self view because that's how I've gotten through this pandemic. Hide self view on Zoom so that I'm going to look at myself. Well, Amy and I, when we record, we can see each other on the computer. And yeah, there's a window and I'm to the right and Amy's to the left. So I just scoop my own face off the screen. I do the same thing. Yes. I'm looking at just your face. Of course. Who wants to stare at, I wish you would just look at your own face and not my face, frankly, because it makes me uncomfortable to know you're looking up at me from below, but I have no control over that. Listen, I am a big proponent of not being interested in this stuff. Right. That you would be so much more relaxed if you realized that everyone just looks at you and is like, wow, Amy's really pretty and nice. Like, no one is like, Amy seems to have gotten more wrinkles since I saw. Nobody ever thinks about the things that you think about your own face. The pandemic has taken its toll on her. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. We've been staring at our faces a lot. It's been 14 months of like, you know... I am particularly bitter that like, I feel like my last attractive year was probably lost to the pandemic I'm of a certain age. I feel like <laughs> I look at pictures from like a wedding two years ago and I was like, I was holding it together. I was holding it together. And now I've like, I have a wedding coming up and I'm like, I'm going to look like, oh. you know, Streganona at the wedding. Like I might as well just put a kerchief over my face and be like, hello, young people. Like, but I want to not be interested in this, and I'm trying to force myself not to be interested in this. But I ha right. I will say that 14 months straight of no makeup and kind of a slightly grungy lifestyle and then staring at my own face on Zoom has not helped. That's what it is. Yeah, because I look at myself, I'm like, wow, the last year has really aged me. And then I think, mm, maybe it's just that I'm looking at myself way, way, way more than I ever would have. 
Yeah, you're staring at yours. And also, like, we couldn't get our hair done for a long time. So a lot of us had, like, three inches of gray roots. And it feels like we peeled the curtain back a little bit on what we really look like. But I will stay on team. This doesn't matter. And, like, we can't. Believe me. Believe me. I have Googled during the year, like, plastic surgery for jowls. It has happened. (laughs) I'm not proud of it, but it has happened. But I'm not getting plastic surgery on my jowls because I do not want to reduce myself to being about what I look like. And I have to reject this with all I have. And I also, listen, like everyone else, I got a lot fatter during the pandemic. Oh, well, like it happens. It's not interesting to me. Like so much of my life is more interesting than what I look like and what I weigh. And I'm sticking with that. I am really trying to stop eating as my pastime, Mm -hmm. trying to find some other pastimes other than eating smart food. Now that you can leave the house, you can have some other activities. Maybe. I mean, definitely like filling 12 hours of the day involved a ton of snacking. And, you know, I want to be at a part where like food is not the number one. Like I'm like a dog. Like we've been fostering golden retrievers and they people who gave them to us were like, yeah, they're so motivated by food that they're very easy to train. And truly like these dogs are like goldfish. They just sniff the ground all day and they look at you like I'm starving. And right. They're not, you just fed them 10 seconds ago. You know, they're not starving, but that's how I've been feeling like a golden retriever stuck at home, just sniffing the floors all day. There's just a constant hope. Like that's, what's good about having dogs around during the pandemic. There's like, there could be more, like, what if there's food, right? There's just every second that's all that's in their head. What if there's food? <laughs> well, you could just hang out with me during the pandemic. Cause I also, that's my aesthetic as well. There's constant hope that there might be a snack. I am of two minds. Like I am sort of like, all right, I'm going to put on some lipstick and some mascara these days because I feel better when I catch myself on Zoom looking like a little bit less peaked. But I'm also resisting. I was talking to my kids about high heels and my boys were like, you're going to put on, stop it. You're going to put on high heels at your first opportunity. I'm like, I don't think so. And by high heels, I mean, like I'll wear a wedge. I'll wear a kitten heel. I'll wear a dance all night sensible heel. I'm not going back to three or four. You heard it here, people. I'm not going to a three inch or higher high heel that isn't like a wedgie platform, you know, stealth comfort thing. Mm. Who cares? Why would I do it? I actually read an article. I wish I had it. I would put the link in the show notes. It was like there was telling everybody, women, that we have to like get ready by like practicing walking around our houses in our high heels because we were out of practice. (laughs) No, we don't. Don't read that article. That is not true. No, we don't. I am going to a bat mitzvah next weekend, and I'm going to wear, like, cute shoes, but they're not stilettos. I think I'm done with stilettos forever. This reset has really helped me with that. Hmm. You're not there? I can see it. I don't know. I have a wedding coming up, and I do... I mean, I'm definitely... I had a pair of, like, five-inch heels. Those are retired because I'm too elderly. Like, I will break a hip in those things. But I have a pair of, like, three-inch, three-and-a-half-inchers that I'll probably pull out for the wedding. I have a wedding system, Amy. I bring... I wear really fancy high heels. I bring like, we used to call them character shoes. They're like, yeah, they're stage dancing shoes. That's a showbiz term, guys. Yeah. They're like Capizio strappy low heel. Yeah. Capizio sells them. They're like for dancing in. Wow. And then I bring flats. Like I bring three pairs of shoes to a wedding. Yeah. I have a step down system. It's a large, you've got like a tote bag over your chair. Yeah. I don't know. I see it. I mean, I think let go of what doesn't serve you is a good lesson for life, but an even better lesson for the end of the pandemic. I'm letting go of what doesn't serve me, but like, I can't wait. I have a wedding I'm going to in November. I'm so excited about it. I mean, I guess weddings and bar mitzvahs are one thing, but we asked the listeners on our Facebook page, what are you not 
ready to return to. And Bridget said she's not ready for things like baby showers and gender reveal parties, and she will miss the socially acceptable excuse to skip those things. Guys, we're not doing gender reveals anymore. I think (laughs) that's done. I think we're done. Pandemic or no. No, we're done with those. I think we should stop. Yeah. If you have one, I mean, I don't know. I never even found out the gender of my baby. And so I'm not interested in this at all. So I don't want to like, you know, rain on your parade, but I don't want to yuck your yums. But I'm saying don't invite me. I will not be able to attend. I'm going to say, Bridget, you have a an acceptable excuse to not go. Like that's different from a wedding. A gender reveal party is definitely an, an opt-in event. And I think baby showers, first baby, 10 people max. Okay. And allow talking during the present opening. For sure. Is there not talking allowed? <laughs> Oh, no, there's definitely showers where you go and it's like, everybody watch, she's opening. And then if you try to keep talking, they're like, she's opening the diapers. And you're like, okay, I didn't know this was a thing. We don't have to go back to those. No, no, we don't. God, there's so many things. I mean, one of my big ones is kids' birthday parties. Okay. I mean, like the, I spent two hours at a extremely loud trampoline park on a sunny Saturday. A bowling alley or, right, right. That's a nightmare. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have to do that. I mean, we're going to. That's a good reset. That's a good group reset. Like the bar is low. Like my nephew's sixth birthday party was canceled, you know, like the opening weekend of pandemic, like, you know, the NBA got canceled and his birthday party was the next day. And my sister was like, I guess we're not having this birthday party. He's still talking about when he has his birthday party, what it will be like. But This was a major reset. This kid's expectations over not having gone to a birthday party in the last year and a half are extremely low. Like he doesn't need a jumpy castle wonderland with 36 kids to have a birthday party that lives up to his expectations. You see what I mean? Like three friends and cake would be like the best thing that ever happened to him. Oh, I absolutely agree. But I wonder, I mean, are we going back? I think we probably are just because the birthday industrial complex like cannot be beaten down you know what i mean like too many people are in the business of like throwing wondrous birthday parties and i feel for them i feel for the people who have like the video game truck like they haven't been able to use that thing in 14 months like the roaring 20s is going to return also for birthday parties i'd be like it'll be like everything it'll be carnivals and yeah step and repeats (laughs) yeah and there's certain people who are desperate we were i was hanging out with family yesterday, which I will say, one thing that I have enjoyed is like sitting around and chatting with people I haven't seen in 14 months, like in person. That has been extremely enjoyable. Yes. I am now doubly vaccinated and went over and was hanging with some doubly vaccinated family. And I was like, oh, this is legit nice to be in a room with people. That's what I'm saying. Like that was exciting, right? Like enough, right? You didn't also have to have like a chef come. It was pretty exciting just to have you guys in a room talking without masks on, I guess. Yeah, but we were having this whole conversation about like what's coming back and because we live in New York, we were talking kind of about Manhattan generally like and it's like, well, are you going to go back to the theater and like cram yourself in a tiny Broadway seat? And I was like, I think I am. I think I am. I think there's most of that stuff, like the entertainment stuff I want to go back to. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff breaks my heart. Like, But there's some that I don't. But then again, like everyone I know works in the theater. So I'm like, it's got to come back right away. Like if I worked <laughs> in kids' birthday parties, I'm sure I'd be right. like, it's got to come back right away. Hashtag let the kids jump. <laughs> yeah, exactly, though. I mean, it is like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to be like. That's why I feel so anxious, Amy. That's why I feel nervous. Gretchen on our Facebook page said she's not ready to return to the highway. And I was like, 
wow, have you really, you haven't been on the highway in 14 months? That's an impressive pandemic stat. I will say I drove to Manhattan a couple of weeks ago and it was, the traffic was unbelievable and it was, there was nothing going on. It wasn't construction. It was just Manhattan. Like it was just like, well, I'm not going to take the subway, but I am going to drive into New York City. Huh? Came over the Triborough to the East Side Drive and I was like, mm-hmm. you got to be kidding me. The East Side Drive was at a standstill. I had to go all the way downtown and I was angry. I was like, don't you people know there's a pandemic? I mean, I'm going out to dinner in the city, but don't you people know there's a pandemic going on? This was just for me. (laughs) We're sitting outside in a booth, you know? Yeah. But, and I will say also, I took a flight a couple of months back and it was a nightmare. It was delayed for eight hours. You know, it's like the minute you do it, you're like, oh, this is just as bad as I remember. Travel is horrible. Right. Exactly. It's all going to be mucked up. We're all going to ruin it by making it just as bad as it was before. And we did nothing. New York City did nothing to deal with like what traffic should be like while we didn't have any. And now it's immediately like, stand still. I'm not ready, you guys. I'm not ready. Yeah. I mean, I live in the suburbs, so I live very much in that world of like, get the 740 train to the city and come home on the 632, you know? And everyone I talk to is like, oh, there's no way I'm going back. There's no way I'm doing that again. Yeah. I think at some point the company's going to be like, uh, yes, you are. But right now, if you have a choice, which right now you still have a choice. And the company has seen that for 14 months, they've done it over a computer and it's gone totally fine, you know? There still is industry, right? Like we haven't collapsed as a people. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to work. Wells Fargo Bank still works pretty well with everybody working at home. Halston is a listener on our page. She said, I am not interested in getting in my car, driving 20 minutes across town, parking, et cetera, for an in-person meeting. Please, can it just be a Zoom? I think it can. But when I was speaking about this with my family members, they suggested I was being perhaps naive that like... The crushing force of Corporationville will just drag everyone back under it. But I feel like, wait, you've seen that you don't need to do that. Why would we keep doing that? Well, there can be a middle ground, but then what is that going to be, right? And who's going to decide? And then there's decision fatigue. I don't want to have to decide what the new plan should be. Yeah. But I don't want to go back to the old plan either. It just seems like we took a break and realized we were doing something insane And now (laughs) let's not go back to that thing. But I also know human nature. There's an episode of The Simpsons where the TVs all break and you cut to a scene of like everyone in spring. uh, Why can't I say it? Springville? It's when Marge gets itchy and scratchy taken off TV because it's too violent. The kids have nothing to watch. Everyone in Springfield is like frolicking and like playing Frisbee and they're like laughing and running in the parks. And then someone's like, it's back on. And everyone just runs inside (laughs) and shuts the doors. And I'm, that is the image that stays with me. I'm like, we're definitely going to do that, right? We're just going to run back in and shut the doors. So is that what we're dreading? I think that's probably what we're dreading. The I'm not ready for things to go back exactly the way they were. Yeah, that's definitely what we're dreading, Amy. That's it. And so, but it doesn't have to be the way they were. I think we have some agency here. Can we talk about that? Let's do it. Let's talk about it when we get back. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. 
Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. And now, what happens every time we talk about how excited we are that the pandemic's ending? From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Oh my God, I can't believe it's finally happening. I am two weeks out from my second vaccine and I am so ready to get back out there. So ready. OMG. Remember when they said they thought it was going to be four to five weeks and we've been stuck inside for 14 months. So crazy, but finally there's a light at the end of the tunnel and I am so ready to go. So ready to get back to real life Finally, you know, the only thing I'm not excited about, though, is like baseball double headers. Yeah, I'm not psyched about getting back to those. They're kind of buggy and I mean, kind of boring. But otherwise, yes. Hello. Let's do this. Let's do this. Except for also the car drop off line at school. Mm, it was yeah. so nice to only have half the kids to deal with and half the cars. But, you know, listen, to be fair, that's a small price to pay to get back to living a small price that is the truth oh my gosh i can't wait to see people (laughs) but we're not shaking hands anymore right because i do not need a sweaty handshake ever again oh god i hope not and i mean wait what about kids birthday parties i can't go back to a trampoline park for any reason ever people understand that right i mean this break has made me realize that those things are unbelievably hellacious i already got an invite to a book club meeting across town on a wednesday at 9 p.m i mean who wants to do that on the first wednesday of each month oh you think that's bad our school is thinking of actually doing spirit week before the end of the year i mean really am i supposed to bring snacks i thought maybe we had put that in the garbage you know and guess who's going back to his sales conference the same week we were supposed to go to family camp if you guess my husband you're right like how can we be double booked this thing just ended Uh uh-huh guess who's coming for several weeks this summer several it's my vaccinated in-laws i'm not ready i think we've made a terrible mistake take me back pandemic take me back oh i'm sorry for all the mean things i ever said about you pandemic i'll never complain again never never again just take us back this has been what happens every time we talk about how excited we are that the pandemic's ending from the what fresh hell podcast amy tell me something good tell me something hopeful tell me how it's all going to be okay 
Well, our friend Christine Coe, friend of the podcast, she wrote an article for the Washington Post called The Pandemic Has Caused Parents to Slow Down. Here's how to preserve that pace. I'll put the link in the show notes. She interviewed a dad named Jason Cochran, and I liked his idea in this article. He said, as we, you know, go back to the way things were, but make them not the way things were, his tip is to preserve open space. He said he's going to make sure that he consolidates the activities so that they're not doing something every night and that there's one weekend day where they don't schedule anything so that you get serious about protecting that open space. I like that idea. But again, it just feels like Hodor to me a little bit, you know, like it feels a little bit like standing against the wave and be like, let's be reasonable here, wave, while it smashes you. Like, (laughs) I like the idea of it, but I think the anxiety comes from having the experience of like, we're going to really slow down in the fall. And then the fall comes and you're like, okay, we're doing eight sports, CCD, Boy Scouts, 86 birthday parties, and we're studying for blah, blah, blah test that is in October. And yeah. I'm all for this plan, but I am a little cynical about that it's going to work. That like holding a day, it's like, oh, that seems like another job for me. Like, no, 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 we're supposed to be holding that day. Christine says that in her life, she does this by, she always finds her Septembers to be really overscheduled and stressful, like the back to school weeks or something every night. And it reminded me of you saying, don't make any big decisions in February. Like that's been established in your world, right? You know that. She actually writes in her date book, like keep September open or don't overschedule September so that when you're in July 15th and you're like, sure, September 6th sounds great. Sure, September 7th sounds fine that you, she has it actually written in there. Don't overschedule because otherwise she will. It's a good point. And like you and I have had this it with work and I've had it personally, like everything that happens two months from now sounds like a good idea. Right. And then it comes and you're like, what was past me thinking? I don't want to do this thing at all. And some of the things, you know, if it's work or, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, we'll fly somewhere and do a live show. Like, I don't feel like doing it, but I want to do it. You know what I mean? Like some, that's a hard distinction too, because I pretty much never want to like get on a plane and go put on a show somewhere because it makes me anxious and like I would rather hide under my covers, but I know I want to do it. Like I want to take that leap. But there's other things that it comes and you're like, I legit don't want to do this thing. Right. And how do you know the difference? I think now that we've taken it out, we've realized that so much of this like rushing anxiety, like have to do it all, have to sign up for eight things, that that was a choice. It didn't feel like a choice. It became default and it became very ingrained. But it was a choice because we stopped it all and our kids are still here and, you know, Wells Fargo Bank is still open. I go back to my earlier thing. Like, yeah, you're obsessed with Wells Fargo. Don't know why. I don't have have a secret slush fund at Wells Fargo. I'm using it. It's entirely hypothetical. But like, so knowing that all that stuff that we thought was not optional is optional. And I think you're right that it would require a lot of effort to hold the door. And maybe it is in the end impulse. I think Hodor did lose in the end. Yeah, he was not able to hold the door. Spoiler alert. For a long time, he held the door. This is a Game of Thrones (laughs) reference if you haven't seen it. He he did his best. Yeah. There were many more zombies than Hodor. But White Walkers, they weren't zombies. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. There are many more zombies than us, too. I'm having this right now with summer camp that the summer camps are kind of reopening where we are. And I just sat down and made a list of like, okay, this one could go to this one and this one could go to that one. And and it's going to cost 
a couple of thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which now having broken that line seems insane to me. And I'm sort of like, last year we just hung around and it seemed kind of okay. So at the same time, I don't know. I don't want to, sp- I mean, people need to run summer camps. People need to go to summer camps. Like, but it's all just feeling a little bit like, wait, are we doing this? And I think that, I mean, it's a thousand decisions a day about like, are we doing this? Wait, are we doing, are we going back to that? And even deciding among, maybe we're going to do this camp, but not that camp. Like none of this was, we didn't have any of these decisions a year ago, right? It was easier not to decide. It was easier to be in the military and just be like, roll the sleeves up or down. Believe me, I know there's a lot more to being in the military than that. But, you know, it's like not deciding was easiest. It's easier to be on like the European tour where just like be in the hotel lobby at 9 a.m. and get on the bus and wherever they take you today, they're taking you instead of planning what you are and aren't going to include on your one and only trip to Florence. It was easier. Agree. And Let's talk a little bit. We both read this article in the New York Times and it really spoke to me. My friend Justina sent it to me and I was like, oh, this is the feeling I couldn't, I haven't been able to name. And it's about this idea of languishing that like that's how people feel right now. It's not depression. It's not terror. It's just kind of unmotivated. And I was walking with my friend the other day and, and she, I said, there used to be a old time Linda Barry cartoon. And it was called The World's Angriest Dog. And the idea was like the dog had to like, it couldn't bark, it couldn't eat. It just had to sit still and be angry. And I'm like, I feel like the world's like, that's how I feel. Like as I go to make, trying to make vacation plans, camp plans, I'm like, I just need to stay entirely still so that everything stays okay. And like, I feel that lane in my brain is like, don't move quickly. Like, I don't know, this feeling of like needing to stay still and generalized nervousness and also having very little energy. It spoke to me. This is a New York Times article by who, Amy? It's by Adam Grant. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Yeah, check it out. It spoke to me. I was like, oh yeah, that's a good point. Languishing. I hear languishing and I think of like Greta Garbo and Camille like lying on a chaise lounge, like <laughs> with the bad cough. Now that is an old locks alert. Back in my day. Are you tubercular? Like, what does languishing mean in this? It's like a lack of energy. Yeah. And a lack of motivation. I mean, I feel like generally I have kind of a lot of get up and go. And I'm like, all right, let's do this. And I'm the idea canon, right? Like, I'm like, let's do this. And it'll be fun. Rent an RV. Let's go here. I just, that, I cannot summon that energy. I'm like, let's just sit really, really still. Is anybody asking us to summon that energy or do we, are we putting that expectation on ourselves? I think a lot of it is putting it on yourself and having that feeling of like, no, no, I'm supposed to be getting back at it. And, and also I feel like, oh wait, it is an opportunity to do stuff. My family and I, I think I was saying last week, we recently went to Boston for three days. First time we've really like done anything since the pandemic started and we had a great time and I was like, oh, it is so nice to be out and about and doing stuff and, and having shape to the day. But then I kind of went down the slippery slope of like, that's what our whole summer needs to look like, exploring the world. And it's like, okay, slow your roll and go, I want to languish. Like, I think maybe I just have two gears, which is all out or lying in bed and that I'm having trouble finding that like middle. It's sort of like people who say, you know, it's like well, the reasonable way to eat is have a small amount of a range of foods. Like I get it. I've seen the picture of the plate, but I know for myself that I can either eat nothing or all the mm-hmm. things. Like I have trouble finding that middle lane. And I think that that's what I'm struggling with right now. 
bet you can't eat just one Lay's and not want more and more. <laughs> no, I can't. You're correct. You've won your bet. I cannot eat just one Lay's. I like to either eat none or the bag, and I do not have any room for finding the one Lay's lane. But our kids don't really want to go 10,000 places a summer either. Like I'm, as I'm hearing you say this, it reminds me of like the lightning bolt that I was hit with 15 years ago when I was, you know, talking about like, oh, I'm like, I guess it's like hot dogs for dinner again because I can't get my act together. And my friend who didn't have kids at the time was like, but don't your kids love hot dogs for dinner? Aren't they psyched? And I was like, you're right. Yeah. I think I'm giving up. They're happier. Our kids. Maybe you don't need to go to 10 camps this summer and three vacations. And my spouse and I were just talking about like, okay, this is it. Like, this is our chance. Our oldest is going to college in the fall. Like, let's figure out a vacation. And it got immediately stressful to figure out like, where can we go that we want to go that we know will work and it won't be this and there won't be a flight. And like, yes. and like we don't have to do this. Like, who says? Who says you need a family vacation in the summer? Maybe you need a family hangout at home. The pressure of it was so great that I almost immediately opted out and there was great relief with that opting out. Like maybe we'll do something and maybe we won't. That's a good perspective for me. I need that perspective right now because I'm a little bit like fun mom has been away from her home planet of power, which is making everything fun. And I need to go back and <laughs> zoom, zap, zim, zam, zoom. Right. Like maybe I don't need to go back to that. And like, I need to just do the things that we think are fun. And I have seen that like right. my board kids will figure out something to do. And like, it doesn't have to be like, welcome to the cruise ship. I'm your director of the Lido deck, you know, Meg, and I will make sure you have a wonderful experience. Like, I think that's a perspective I needed, Amy, is like, just lay that down a little bit and like baby steps out. Like you don't have to run to the light the second you see it. You can be like, all right, we'll get there when we get there. Right, because our kids have their own feeling about that. I think we're like, Ugh, I don't really want to do this, but I guess I better go to the water park. Maybe they don't want to do that stuff either. <laughs> this water park isn't going to splash itself. Right. They might be happy to stay home more this summer, too. They might be feeling that same, like, oh, am I really ready for T-ball? That didn't occur to me until talking this through with you. So I thank you for that perspective you've given me. Amy, we solved it. Solved it again. Chill out, everyone. Languish a little bit longer. It's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> One thing that you should stop languishing to do, though, friends, is go rate and review the podcast. Open your podcast app and rate and review us. Right where you're listening. Just swipe and tap and give us some stars. You can do that while laying in bed and languishing. <laughs> they are not incompatible behaviors. You can do them both. It's a small ask. That's what we'd like you to do because... Languish or not, we want to keep doing the podcast and that's what helps people find us. So please do that for us. And I hope you all are hanging in and keeping it together and don't stress too much. We're going to figure it all out, guys. I mean, we're not quite ready, but it'll be okay. We're not quite ready as it turns out. And that <laughs> is fine. Just fine. Friends, we'll talk to you next week. So long. Everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was 
steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.